also a lot more difficult to find good rental comps because if you're looking at the 50 to 75 units, you can't use rental comps over 100 units because all those comps are going to have amenities that these smaller units don't have. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we've built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got, And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And we got follow along Friday today with Theo Hicks. Theo, what do we got? We're going to go over some updates. And as I mentioned on last follow on Friday, I did some property tours this past weekend. I am in the process of trying to put together my first indication deal and I'm in the stage of looking for deals. And in order to kind of build some credibility and some trust with their brokers, I'm asking for them to send me a list of their recent comps, recent sales, so I can go visit them. Kind of the main reasons why I want to visit the properties is to, one, learn the market. So I'm pretty new to Tampa, so driving around kind of gives you a good understanding of the areas. Mm-hmm. Also, the practice evaluating these larger deals in person because a 200-unit apartment community is a lot different than a fourplex. And then from the broker side, I wanted to kind of compare their, their sales package to what the actual reality of the situation is. 
which is one of the lessons I learned. We'll go over that in a second. <laughs> and then also I wanted to learn the types of deals that I could expect to receive from the broker just so I can understand, should I be focusing more time on a certain broker because the higher percentage of the recent sales align with our investment strategy. Mm-hmm. So there's four things that I kind of think I need to follow up on. One of them, as I mentioned, is do not trust the pictures in the OM because it's actually funny because I sent the sales packages to my business partner. I was like, here's the properties I looked at. Take a look at the sales packages really quick. It's, oh, this one looks really good. It looks like it's a really nice area and this looks really up to date. And it was actually a property that we've already visited that like, we saw and we're like, this is the ugliest looking property I've ever seen. You didn't even recognize it when you look yeah. at the pictures. <laughs> so they can do magical things with their camera. And it's not the camera. It's a retoucher after the camera. Yeah. And we'll take pictures of only certain buildings, yeah. like the best looking building at the property or the, the best shots. And if you just look at the sales packages, you're going to think the property is multitudes better than it actually is. But something else that the pictures can't tell you either is besides the overall picture of the property, because they're only going to focus on kind of the good stuff and then make it even better with Photoshop. But you also, you can't get a a good idea of the actual area around the property because they don't have pictures of that. So some of the properties I drove, they're in okay shape. They almost met our investment strategy, but the surrounding area and the surrounding apartments were so bad that I would have not bought that property for that reason. One of the properties actually had a vacant hotel a couple properties down. So number one lesson is you have to actually visit these properties in person. You can't trust the pictures in the OM. We've already talked about not trusting the comps before, but it's kind of just an added level to that. What about if you do Google Maps and you do the street view? Would you think that could replace what you just did? It depends. So there's two things you need to look out for for Google Maps. Number one is the date of that. So in the bottom right-hand corner, the bottom left-hand corner, it'll tell you when the pictures were taken. Mm-hmm. And the pictures are taken in 2015. That is probably too long ago because, again, I'll get them on Google Maps first and a lot of the properties will be different. A fence will be gone, for example, or they'll have a new signage or the color of the property is completely different. Or another example was there's one that I looked at Google Maps. There's a big vacant lot next to it. And then when I drove by it, those were all residential buildings. Big difference. I guess probably a year would be fine. That's okay. But then the second thing is it'll only do a drive-by of the street, but you can't actually go inside of the community and look at the units in the back. You can only see the front of the property. Again, sometimes they might have driven through the property with Google Maps, but I was in the majority of the properties, they don't. It's good for seeing the surrounding areas and the surrounding market, but you still can't see inside the actual community on Google Maps. But it's better than doing nothing. And just, just trusting the OM. So if you're a state and you can't actually come to the property right away, it's better than doing nothing for sure. So that's lesson number one. Number two is that I think we're going to adjust our investment criteria up to 100 units or more. What was it? 50 units or more. Okay. Because three of the properties we looked at were between 50 and 75 units. And the problem that I kind of came across, and this could just be specific to the properties I looked at, but it was very condensed. Like it seemed like they tried to pack as many units in the small space as possible. So there's no green space. There was no patio or backyards. There was no shared amenities. There was no pool or fitness center or a clubhouse or laundry facility. They didn't have a long walkway up to their units. Whereas the other larger teams they looked at, tons of green space, lots of landscaping, a lot more open. They had a ton of shared amenities, all kind of in one central location. So the pool, the clubhouse, the fitness center, all in one spot. And 
kind of a vibe that I got. It's also a lot more difficult to find good rental comps because if you're looking at the 50 to 75 units, you can't use rental comps over 100 units because all those comps are going to have amenities that these smaller units don't have. And at the same time, for the 100 plus units, we're going to have the economies of scale of having that on-site management. Now I know you can get that for 50 to 75 units, but kind of those three things all combined made me kind of question whether we want to invest in these smaller properties. One interesting insight I learned from a recent interview, and I don't believe the interview has aired yet, so it should be airing sometime in the next couple weeks, is the gentleman I interviewed, he had a property somewhere in Florida, and he was competing with Class A properties. His property was a Class C or maybe B property. I think B. We'll go with B. And it was a smaller property. Let's say a 30 unit. So some of these details are a little fuzzy because I interviewed him a little bit ago, but I do remember the main point and I'll get to that in a second. So he had about a, say, B class property, say it's 30 units, and he was farther away from the class A properties that had these amazing class A amenities. And what he did is he looked around where his class B property was located and he saw some amenities that were close by. In his example, there was the beach and there was a park close by and there was a gym close by. Mm. And he basically said, you can have a class A type amenities with my property but you don't have to pay class A rent because you've got all these built-in amenities that are close by. So the point of bringing this up on this conversation, and I'm not saying this is applicable to this subject property you're referring to, but when we do have a property that we're looking at and it's a smaller property, say like a 50 unit or 75 unit that doesn't have the amenities of a larger community, then perhaps there's a creative solution there where we look around the surrounding area and if there's a gym, maybe you negotiate something with that local gym to get a gym membership discount for your residents. Maybe there's a park close by that they can walk to. So you can start competing with built-in amenities that all the taxpayers pay for in the park, for example, or private businesses where you negotiate something with the gym and then you do have those amenities. That's a great point. And while it doesn't apply to point number two, it actually applies to this third point I was going to go to, which is a perfect segue. Another smaller property I was looking at was, let's say it was class B. It was probably B plus. It was a really nice property, but it was smaller. So it didn't have these amenities, but it was literally on all sides. It was surrounded by these massive brand new high rise luxury class A development. So if I were to invest in that property, that's something that I would do. I'd be like, all right, so they got all these class A buildings that are going to have insane amenities in them. Are there amenities close by that I could, as you mentioned, maybe have an agreement with the, with the fitness center nearby or the beach was really close. So that was definitely a plus. So that would definitely apply to that specific property. But a question I was going to ask you, because I know you don't want to be the market leader, obviously, but at the same time in rents and rents, but at the same time, would you buy a property like that? So it's a 75 unit, it could use a couple of updates, but let's just say it was a B property with a value at opportunity, smaller, but literally on all sides, it was surrounded by 
a 500 unit development here. They, they weren't done yet. They were all in development phases, like literally completely surrounding it, like above it. So it's like everyone's gonna be looking down on this tiny property in the middle. I think there are three things you want to look for. Median income, number one. Number two is the rent difference for what they're renting for and what you'd be renting for. Number three, the occupancy rate or the vacancy rate for that particular submarket for those Mm -hmm. types of properties. You look at those three things, the median income, if people can afford to pay rent for their properties as well as how many could afford to pay for your property the difference between what they're renting for and what you're renting for, that's incredibly important. We have purchased property next to land where they're building brand new class A, but they're charging $1.50 on average rent per square foot. And our premiums, when we implement the premiums, they're going to be $1.20 rent per square foot. So there's a significant difference there. And then obviously the vacancy rate for that particular area to and vacancy rate factoring in the absorption rate because you want to see, okay, the vacancy's X right now, but what is the absorption rate once all of these apartment communities around us, if they're not built yet, are built? Mm-hmm. How many available renters will there be and how many places will there be to rent? And what are the projections for once these are completed, the vacancy? So you want to look at all those things because it could be a major advantage for your class B property because the class A properties are generating leads to their rental offices. And if the prospective resident does not select that property due to financial reasons, but they like the area, which usually people rent apartments because of the area that the place Mm -hmm. is in, it's convenient to where they want to be, then they can just come next door and not pay as much. That's where you want to look at the rental difference. That's why it's so important. Okay. Yeah. The other rental difference would be significant for sure. I imagine it should be. Yeah. They have to charge a whole lot of money in order to justify the cost of construction because cost of construction is so darn high because the materials are higher now and labor is tight. It's tough mm-hmm. to get good workers. And when you do get good workers, you got to pay them handsomely relative to what they've been paid in the past. Yeah. They mentioned the new development in the OM. I saw it and I went to the actual property. and was like, wow, I was just shocked because there's massive skyscrapers surrounding this little tiny dinky little property in the middle. Yeah. Those are all great points. Um, and then the last thing that I learned, I've come across this on a couple of properties. It's called LURA, L-U-R-A, the Land Use Restrictive Agreement. Have you ever heard of that before? No. It must be something specific to Florida. I had to do a ton more research into this, but essentially it restricts 75% of the units in your building and you have to rent at least 20% of the units to very low income, which are people that are making less than 50% of the median income. And then the other 55% have to go to low income, which is less than 80% of the median income. So you're only allowed to kind of control the rents on 25% of the units. So I was kind of reading through these offering memorandums and they were saying how this is a good thing because once the Lura expires, you're going to be able to go in there and renovate the units and raise the rents. So I was just kind of confused how that would work for the first three years when you've got 25 units that you're renovating and trying to bring in new residents at higher rents when the majority of the property is low income. So I need to kind of look into see how that actually works. But the pro is that I guess Florida legislature just signed a new law 
that may allow the owners of these types of properties to reduce their taxes by as much as 50%. One of the specific properties I'm talking about, right now the owners are paying 60000 and assuming the new person comes in and purchases it and the taxes go up, the new taxes would be 150000 mm. So if this is true and you're able to reduce those taxes by half for the first three years, then it's a pretty big deal Like because yeah. you're basically not tripling your taxes. Instead, you're only increasing them by a couple tens of thousands. Mm-hmm. But I would just be curious, and I'm sure people that do Section 8 would know how to address this problem, which is how do you do a value-add deal when the majority of the units can't be touched for a couple of years? So that's something interesting I came across. I had heard it before, and I'm going to do some more investigations into it. But I thought it was interesting because I've seen a couple of properties that have this lure on it so far. And it's just interesting seeing how the brokers were making it seem like it was a good thing, a benefit to the buyer. If you search L-U-R-A and then put a space and type in C-R-E-F-C-O-A, you'll come up with a good website that lists out Lura and all the pertinent info. So there's a good search there. Cool. All right. Those are my four lessons. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing that. That's good stuff. And just to close the loop on it, you got any deals you're making offers on or actively underwriting that you think have potential? I've got one deal that I am actively underwriting right now. And depending on how that goes, I will go visit it this weekend. So I'll have more information on that next week. Cool. Well, let's segue in to close it out. I know we got limited time today. And then on next week, I'll go over some things that I'm working on as well. In particular, I want to talk about high cash value life insurance. And I say it with kind of a laugh, as you probably heard. And it's because I've interviewed people on the show who talk about, it's otherwise known as infinite banking. And Theo, you and I have had conversations about this. It just always seemed too good to be true, how it all works. And I finally spoke to someone who comes highly recommended from one of my investors who works with this person because I've read books on infinite banking and high cash value life insurance and I've done a whole lot of research on it, but I've never pulled the trigger, but I am in the process of pulling the trigger. So next week I'll have more concrete updates and I'll talk more about it. And I have nothing to sell by the way. Like I think when people hear life insurance, like, Oh wait, who's, who's trying to sell me something? I have nothing. So I'm just talking about my experiences because It could be something that would be valuable for best ever listeners, but I want to get a little bit more into it in the process than I am right now. And then I'll I'll talk about it more in detail and just tell you about my experiences. So let's roll right into the reviews. All right. Perfect. So this review of the week for the book, which is available on Amazon for purchase, best ever apartment syndication book. If you buy the book and leave a review and send us a screenshot to info at Joe Fairless, we'll send you a bunch of free apartment syndication goodies. This week's review comes from Nikki B. And they said, only issue I've had with this book. A lot more to chew on than previous books. However, I think that is a good problem to have. Really like how case studies and real world experiences have been depicted. They are consistent and easy to understand for a novice like myself. I've been following Joe and Theo's progress for a while now and can tell they put a great deal into this book. Very refreshing to see people eager to share and afford others the opportunity to succeed as well. Well, Nikki, I appreciate that review and thank you for taking time out of your day to write it. 
And most importantly, I'm glad you're getting value from the book. We now have, I believe, 72 reviews on the book. Who's counting though, right? I'm counting. I, I look at it probably a little bit more than I should, but it's an important thing because it's a cornerstone project for the business. It truly is something that I'm incredibly proud of and I'm grateful that you and I did it together. And I'm grateful that most importantly, it's adding a lot of value to others because there's nothing else like it. It's needed and there's nothing else in the marketplace like it. So thanks for leaving the review. Appreciate it. Make sure you email info at Joe Fairless, Nikki, with that screenshot of your review so we can send you some good stuff. And best ever listeners, thanks for our conversation. Hope you got some value out of it. I know I did enjoy learning what Theo learned and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212 212- That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. If you're syndicating deals, I recommend you check out the annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. The two-day event on November 17th and 18th is going to sell out, but you can get your ticket today and you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com forward slash best ever.